Hey everybody, welcome to For the Glory Kansas City. Starting off a little somber today, sad news in the soccer world. Um, I'm Chad Smith of thebluetestament.com. I'm joined, as always, can we say that after three episodes? As always, by my wife, Sheena. Hey, Sheena. Hey there, Chad. It's like weird, like we're trying to, I don't know, handle these emotions and deal with what's going on. The The thing that's kind of bringing down myself and the soccer world in general is uh, over the weekend, Grant Wall, a 48-year-old U.S. soccer journalist, passed away during the World Cup during the Argentina-Netherlands match and kind of came out of nowhere. Like I said, he's just 48 years old, relatively healthy guy, and sitting there on the internet, as I often am, and saw the news, and it it really, it really kind of shook me. So at first, I want to kind of just lay out what we know. There's still some some grayness. We've been getting updates from Grant's brother, Eric. Eric initially had a, a pretty visceral reaction, kind of saying that he he didn't think it was an accident. He's, he's changed his stance on that a little bit. They're in the process of getting Grant's body back. The U.S. government has been aiding in that process and kind of just waiting to see the autopsy and see what happens. What we're going to try to do is avoid speculating i know my mind is conspiratorial right off the bat when you see things about you know grant writing a story about human rights violations the day before he passes away and getting hassled for wearing his rainbow shirt in honor of his brother um so what are you thinking sheena how what how did uh how the news strike you yeah so friday night when that happened like you said you heard about the news and you came and told me about his death. And I was kind of thrown off because, well, for one, as a casual fan, I had never heard his name before, but you're typically pretty upbeat and your demeanor was different. And I saw a side of you I don't typically see. I've only seen it a few times in like 17 and a half years, which is like quiet. And I could tell you were upset. I maybe thought you had shed a tear at some point in the night. I wasn't really sure. And that's very rare. You can ask our daughter how many times she's seen Chad cry. She constantly comments about it. But well, at- well, not to try to be funny in the middle of your thing, but I think a lot of times the reason you all don't see me cry is because you're just crying harder at the same <laughs> thing. So that's you're fair. so shook by whatever movie or whatever's going on that even if I am emotional about it, you can't tell through your own ugly crying. So maybe because this, you had no connection to Grant and then, you know, I, not that I have a connection to him, but what, what I'll kind of say and what maybe kind of got me is I, I've seen a lot of really good soccer journalists talking about Grant. He's probably the most famous, you know, American soccer journalist in the world and happens to be from Kansas City or the Kansas City area, which is, was kind of cool, right? But then um, I'm not going to try to pretend that I'm a journalist. I've had a story or two here broken over the years in my seven years of doing this as a fun little hobby. That's not really what it is at all. I think it's just that it hit kind of close to the soccer community, like my, my online self, uh, outside of my own personal accounts is like my Twitter is just soccer. So if I'm on Twitter, all I'm seeing is soccer. And it was just overwhelming the amount of stories coming in. And there's some really good ones out there. And I, I tried to capture some people's 
the words because I was struggling to kind of find my own words whenever I put together the article over on the bluetestament.com kind of announcing that that things had happened and that Grant had passed away. But I think that's what just shook me. It was just so unexpected and the the brevity of life and how, you know, you can be fit and, you know, taking care of yourself. And then all of a sudden uh, things change. It, it just hit closer to home for some reason versus like, when I've experienced death in my own life with family members and things, it's almost always people that smoked or took terrible care of themselves or things like that, or they were, they were very old. So they lived a long life. And uh, I think, you know, anytime somebody young passes away, it just, it hits a little harder. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think just having that local connection makes it Harder. It seems like a lot of people in the soccer community, especially in Kansas City, knew him or had met him and they had a memory to share. I saw Peter Vermees had a quote or like gave his thoughts. Several people in Casey Current did, um, a few sporting players. So it, it definitely hit hard. And it, I think the thing that was really remarkable was all the stories that people shared were positive. And it really just highlighted what a tremendous loss it is. And like I said, I had never heard of him prior to his death, but I feel positive that I've probably read a story of his because even though I'm a casual fan, I do read stories about soccer. A, so I have something to talk to chat about since this is his number one in life. And honestly, in general, with soccer articles I read or any kind of article, I don't pay attention to who the writer is. So if you were to ask me to name a soccer writer, like Chad Smith would be the only one I could come up with besides maybe a few people from the bluetestament.com that I've met. So uh, thank you for knowing my name. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if I was supposed to tell your last name, but it's okay. I'm pretty sure I said yours as well. Uh, I um, use it. I use it on social media. There's a lot of Chad Smiths. It won't be a okay. problem. Even at my, my big company that I work for. There's four of us. And the last big corporation I work for, I think there was nine of us. So it's like, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty generic, the Chad Smiths of the world. I'm, I'm, maybe I'd be harder to track on. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, going back to his articles, I think, you know, I, I feel confident. I read one of his articles through the years because I did follow the U.S. Women's team and their fight for equal pay a few years ago, and then all the allegations that took place within the NWSL. And one of the things I've learned about him since his passing is that he wrote a lot of human rights stories, and women's soccer was one of those he wrote a lot about. So I feel confident, even though I didn't know his name, that I had read an article. Well, Sheena, I recommend, and this is really obscure, but I feel like this is maybe a credit to what Grant could bring attention to, is go read about True Socks when he was a writer for Sports Illustrated, which he was a writer there for a very long time. He he brought True Socks around. One other quick story I'll tell is I was listening to another podcast, Allocation Disorder. I highly recommend it. It's my favorite MLS slash USMNT podcast, besides this one, of course. Obviously. Um, and, obviously. And <laughs> Sam Stachel, he told the story about how Grant had kind of encouraged, like he wasn't thinking about doing writing anymore. He'd been an intern and then he's, he's doing other jobs. He was working for Real Salt Lake actually at the time. And Grant was encouraging him to be a writer. And I'd say Sam is probably one of the most prominent writers in the soccer circles now. So maybe without Grant, he doesn't go on. And there, it sounds like from listening and reading other stories that 
that's a case told over and over and over again about how he kind of encouraged all these writers. And um, he, if I always think about it, my my regular job, how if you're a good manager, good leader, you'll create good employees that branch off and become leaders and managers of their own. And you kind of have your own like tree, right? And in, in the NFL, they would say like, it's your coaching tree, all the people that work for you that now run other teams or, or in their organizations. And I think not that they worked for Grant directly, but the, the tree coming off of him would be the branches are numerous in terms of the people he affected and impacted. And uh, even though he's gone, the kind of the effect he's going to have on soccer going forward. So I'm going to try to do the impossible now and switch from this sad topic to what we're here to talk about, uh, kind of give you a rundown of what's coming on the rest of the show. We're going to talk Sporting Kansas City. We always do. There's some news out there, rumors out there that we want to address. Uh, also, there was a good interview with Daniel Shallow. We're going to give you a quote from that. There's some schedule news, rumors, leaks, things are happening in the schedule front. And then we got a little bit of talk about both Sporting Kansas City 2, the U.S. men's national team, as well well as the Kansas City Current. We're working everybody in today. U.S. Women's National Team as well. Don't want to leave the ladies out. So weird transition, no good way to do it. On we go. I want to go back to something. Sheena. Hi. Before we get started, I didn't know where to fit this in, but I feel like this is a good place to do a little bit of a backstory from something you said in last week's podcast. Is this uh, a weekly, should we get like intro music <laughs> for like a segment? Sheena corrects Chad or Sheena give, no, elaborates on something Chad said. I mean, I, <laughs> maybe, I don't know, but last week, when we first got started on the podcast, I made a clarification from episode two where I talked about- Oh, I remember about, it. It was yeah. like four minutes long. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, where I went through all your hobbies. And then before you introduced last week's co-host, Eric, you said, so far, this has been the Chad and Sheena show. And I didn't catch the reference at the time, but then after we were done recording, you were like, did you hear the reference I made about the Chad and Sheena show? And you were like, and then when I was going through and editing everything, I heard you laughing as you were saying it. And so I feel like I just want to kind of explain to people the significance of that. So talking together in a recording setting, I guess, isn't our first rodeo. And honestly, I feel like if either of us should be better at a podcast, it should be me. And I'll just clarify and say it's not me. I don't have the radio voice, the the soothing sounds that Chad has. <laughs> is that uh, right? Soothing, huh? <laughs> well, that's what you always say people tell you is that you have a soothing voice. So you can make people sometimes, yeah. You can make people fall asleep with your voice, but hopefully you're not falling asleep during this it, podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Tell okay. tell everybody about okay. the Chad and Sheena show. Get it over with. Let's go. Okay. So in college, one of my first classes at Missouri State, Go Bears, was hosting a radio show for our online radio station, The Growl, which I wanted to look it up and see if The Growl still exists. But anyways, I didn't. So I took this radio production class and I had this very awkward show called Simply Sheena. And um, if it's not obvious, I ooze creativity with how I name things. And I really enjoyed learning like the soundboard and editing stuff, but I just don't have the personality to be on a radio. I found it very awkward to be talking to yourself. So I wasn't sure I wanted to give up the radio life. So I decided I needed to revamp and Chad graciously offered to come and host a show with me 
called The Chad and Sheena Show. And his name came first only because I thought it sounded better, but I'm sure he thought very highly of himself and thought he was the star. But we did talk about a lot of different things, sports, politics, celebrity gossip. We played our favorite songs. We had like all of 50 people listening, but it was a really good time. And I just wanted to share that because honestly, this podcast is a full circle moment for us. And I love that you made a reference to it last week. Even though you didn't hear it in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, but I knew I was going to hear it eventually. Yeah, we should do is I have those old radio shows like <laughs> in MP3 format. We should pull clips and awkwardness from them from oh you know, my gosh. Like 18 years ago, 17 years ago, whatever it is. It Man, would be we're getting so old. awkward. Oh my gosh, it'd be so awkward. <laughs> I remember, okay, I don't okay. know if it, wait, hold on one last story. I don't know if you remember this, but my favorite segment on the show was doing, I would taste test things, which makes for really bad radio. On the radio? I don't yeah. remember it at all. <laughs> Yeah, I remember specifically one time I was in the store and they had strawberry flavored Whoppers. Is that what that candy is called? Whoppers? Yeah. I mean, there is a candy called Whoppers. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of chocolate, they had strawberry and I tasted it on the air and then tried to give a description (laughs) of what it tasted like. I can't believe you don't remember this. Is this like the wine sommeliers that are like, oh, it's got hints of uh, timber. I don't know, wood. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't drink wine. I don't drink wine, y'all. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It was probably really bad because I wouldn't call myself an overly descriptive person. So I'm sure it was awful radio. So maybe we could find a clip of that and play it sometime. I do remember we had callers that would call in and yeah. we, yeah, it was a real thing. But anyways, okay. on, on to the, the soccer part of this <laughs> podcast, the thing that you're probably here for. Sorry if you had to skip the last four minutes. Um, <laughs> let's talk about a quote uh, that we read last week. We kind of moved over it quickly and we wanted to give it a little bit more time this week. And actually, I'm not even going to read the quote. I, Peter Vermees, he just told the Kansas City Star in an interview that the team had two offseason priorities left. Well, two that he mentioned, I should say. Signing a right center back, which we took to kind of mean Nicholas Isamat Marin would be gone. And then a young striker, which backs up something he had said earlier in the offseason where he said the team needed a third striker. We assumed that he meant Polito and Agata were one and two, and that meant Shelton was gone. But Kyrie Shelton has signed a three-year extension with a fourth-year option, so that didn't happen. The question to you, Sheena, is do you think these should be the priorities? I definitely think the right center back position is a priority because I don't think we have one. Um, or if we do, it's not. I mean, I'm sure we do. And I'm sure you said it last week. We already had this discussion on this podcast. I know. Courtney Ford. Courtney Ford. He's not memorable. No offense, Courtney Ford. I just keep forgetting. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. So I do think it's the top spot that needs to be filled. Clearly, I don't think of him as a starter for no other reason than the fact I can't remember him. I honestly, maybe you could clarify this for me because I made this point last week and I am still confused why we need a young striker when we have Polito coming back. We have Agata as the backup or maybe the starter. It'd be interesting to see who gets the start um, because in my opinion, it shouldn't be assumed that Polito's the starter seen as good as Agata played last season. 
But I thought Marinos from Cyprus was like the backup to Agata. Is not that not the case? So you've talked about a lot of things here. I want to weigh in on all of them. So let's Sorry. start with Marina. Marinos is Johnny's. So he is mostly, I would say, a winger, uh, primarily a um, left winger. So he's probably going to be Shalwi's backup. But he played on the right. He played kind of in that Eric Tommy attacking midfielder type spot as well a little bit. Um, but I, I, he did have a moment, I think, where he played as kind of a false nine, you know, where you're more in the midfield than a typical striker would be. Kind of Polito plays that way too. He drops kind of deep at times. So I wouldn't say he's in that spot. Okay. What I think is interesting, and I don't know if you'll even know this reference, but they, the team also has uh, Ozzy Cisneros. He didn't play any MLS games last year. He got in in a U.S. Open Cup game. She is shaking her head. She has no idea who Ozzy no, is. No, Ozzy's <laughs> a fun name, but I don't know yeah. him. Uh, Osvaldo, to, but Ozzy is you know, what he goes by. He's only 18. He's been on the team for a couple of years, but uh, very limited playing in MLS. Uh, mostly, actually, I don't think he has a single MLS minute. I think all of his minutes with the first team are in like US Open Cup type games. Um, he played extensively in 2021 for Sporting Kansas City too, but he had been kind of transitioned to a Polito type false nine. So I don't know what that means for where he's going, because if the team wants to sign another striker, you would think that you're not signing another one if you're planning to play Ozzy there. You're planning to pay Kyrie there. So as far as do we need that and like your whole thing about we already have two good ones, we saw what happened last year when one of them gets hurt and things kind of all fall apart. I think Agata is obviously much more capable of taking over if Shelton, Ben Shelton was. Sorry, Kyrie. But I'm okay with adding like a youth prospect type that player there. Um, Agata's pretty young himself. I think he's like 22 off the top of my head, 23, maybe. Yeah, he's 23. I just looked it up. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but you don't, you maybe when they're saying youth, maybe they're talking really young, like okay. 18, 19, 20. And the reason I'm kind of okay with it is a point Eric brought up last week, which was there's going to be a lot of games this year. There's the Leagues Cup. There's a whole month where that's dropped into the middle of the season. The season's probably going to start roughly as early as it always has the last year or two. And then it's going to go probably later with the Leagues Cup slowing things down for a month and no World Cup in the fall to mess things up. So I, I, I'm okay with striker. Um, center back, oh, Courtney Ford. My apologies for my wife's behavior. I'm so sorry, Courtney Ford. I'm <laughs> sure you're listening and you're not a fan, but I'm really sorry. I will do better. You know, I thought Ford played fantastic last year, but I will excuse you if you don't remember as much because he did play a lot during the time where things weren't going so great. Um, he only had nine starts, 14 appearances, and only 807 minutes. Sheena, do you remember why he was missing for a long time after that hint it's not an injury i'm assuming personal reasons he was suspended by the oh, league yeah 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 i do remember okay. was it for like a drug enhancement or something yeah performance enhancing drugs basically the story was he had left the colorado rapids he was out of contract with them and then he was in between teams because he hadn't yet signed with sporting kansas city and on his own, and apologies if I'm not getting this 100% right, he had taken some sort of supplement that had caused him to, to pop for performance enhancing. And it, I guess it took a while for that to catch up and show up in his system or for them to maybe drug test or whatever the case may be. So he had a pretty lengthy suspension there in the middle of the year. So right when he was the starter and playing really well, 
lost that job because of that. And then never really got back into the swing of things. It just was like a extra sub late on in the season. That's it. I think Ford played really well. He is an incredible athlete. He's probably the best defender this team has in the air in terms of getting up and heading those balls out of the box. Uh, I can specifically remember going to a Colorado Rapids game and him scoring on Sporting Kansas City. So we know he's capable of scoring with his head, which is something this team could really use. But all that being said, I think absolutely the number one priority is to sign another center back. The team only has three. You probably need to sign two more, frankly. Uh, but you definitely need at least one who's of starter quality that can push forward for that right center back job. I don't think any job should be assumed. Um, probably Robert Voladere can push him as well. So even though he's a left-footed center back, there's no reason a left-footed guy can't play on the right right-footed guys play on the left all the time there's way more right-footed people in the world than there are left-footed people as i stare into the camera at a left-footed and left-handed human being oh funny funny story guys before i let Sheena talk again <laughs> i know where sheena's, this is headed <laughs> sheena's left-handed and she often insists that the world is out to get the left-handed people of the world things like she says can openers aren't designed for left-handed people like i've seen the scissor thing and they do make left-handed scissors and i've seen her cut with them and it, it actually kind of holds up but like i intentionally like opened the can one way and then opened it with my opposite hand just to prove it wasn't like left-handed can over <laughs> the world's out to get you lefties right Sheena just on just with can openers that's the only thing I really struggle with I don't know if there's any other lefties out here who can back me up but yeah I just want to before we move on I think I've been inspired for what you're getting for Christmas automatic can opener finally I've been waiting for one <laughs> For almost 18 years you've yeah. been waiting and here here it comes yeah. what were you gonna say Sheena sorry um yeah I mean I'm ultimately at the end of the day I'm okay with another striker as long as it's not like another superstar but bringing a young person in because we do have a long schedule so I I think that makes sense I I also as a casual person didn't know where the guy from Cyprus played. And so I thought he was a striker because I must have seen a game where he was playing that position. And I don't know, but that's all like, that's all my thoughts on that. To, to Sheena's uh, thing, whenever, whenever I explain a new signing to her, I always explain it in terms of like a player she knows. So in this, she's going to become less casual by hosting this podcast with me by default. But like when we signed a left back, she was just like, I can't think of who plays left back. And I was like, Seth Sinovic plays left back. And she goes, <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Yes. I know what left back is. So it's like, that's what I'll tell her. Like whenever we signed Nemanja Rodoya, I was like, he, Ilya, he's playing where Ilya played. And she, oh, okay, Sheena gets it. So I just put it in, you know, layman's terms, right? Into like a casual sporting fan understanding. So let's circle back. Uh, center back, I think we both agreed, is maybe the most needed position. And it's interesting that that is the case because there's a rumor last week uh, reported by Tom Bogert of MLSsoccer.com. Tommy Scoops, as they call him. Uh, I want you to all Google Tom Bogert mustache right now while I'm talking to you. Uh, Tommy Scoops came out with some news that Matt Hedges, longtime center back for FC Dallas, uh, has interest from Sporting Kansas City. However, uh, Kansas City was not a Houston also was marked as interested. And three teams have already made him offers. Toronto FC, the San Jose Earthquakes, and FC Cincinnati. So Hedges, a 32-year-old center back, been pretty solid throughout his entire MLS career. What research did you do on Matt Hedges, Sheena? 
I read the article that you sent me and <laughs> that's about it. Um, but yeah, he sounds, he sounds like he could be a good player. It sounds like he's been good for Dallas. Um, I'm not overly impressed with him. No offense, Matt Hedges. It sounds like if we haven't even made him an offer, he's probably going to go to one of these other teams. But I think the reason I'm not overly impressed with him is because of his age, like, and I'm not ageist yeah. over here, but it feels like the people who aren't excited about Zussi and Espinosa coming back are the people who feel like they're kind of past their prime and we should be focusing on finding younger players to be on the team for the long haul and this doesn't feel like it would be a long haul signing it feels like it could be a short term you know signing it couldn't be a long term deal just because he probably only has a, a few more seasons in him um and i would hope that we would start targeting younger players for some of these positions um so i kind of hope it doesn't work out and based on the fact he has other offers i'm leaning towards it's not going to work out yeah, I'm leaning that direction as well. The fact that he wants a three-year deal guaranteed, that's a deal breaker for me because yeah. he made $900,000 last year. That's just a little bit less than Izzy. Izzy only had one year left on his deal and we turned that down. So why are we going to commit to three years with Hedges? And so I was thinking, well, maybe Sporting's going to get him in for a lower amount of money. But if he's got that much, much interest, the likelihood is somebody will pay him near what he wants, either money-wise or length-wise. I think I'd be okay if he made as much money as he made last year if it was a one-year deal or one year with yeah. an option, something like that. See if he's still got it. But when you're 32, you're trying to get your last big payday, your last guaranteed chunk of years, because like you said, a father time, it catches up with everybody. And in soccer, sadly, 32 can be a little old. Uh, I don't think it's old. I don't think he's a poor player necessarily, but no. I'm not really sure that this is going to be the one that I want sporting to pull off. But the one good thing is he is a domestic center back, so he wouldn't require an international spot, which sporting would have to either go get or get a green card or, or something like that. So um, I did see, I don't know if you saw this tweet I shared, uh, third degree net is the at third degree net it's a dallas uh, website and you know hedges was on fc dallas they have a picture of inside of fc cincinnati stadium it said all for cincy matt hedges and it's like on their big video board like what sporting does when they sign a player but uh, obviously they hadn't signed him yet because this is from back on november 17th this was well before all these news and rumors came out okay Anyways, I digress. I think we both agree Hedges is probably not the guy, but we have two other sporting Kansas City topics I want to get to before we uh, take a little break. So the next thing I want to talk about is actually, I don't know if it's just a competing podcast. There's a there's a YouTube channel, Kevin Cho. He does like SKC TV Live, it used to be called, but Kevin Cho, he did an interview with Daniel Shallowy. Uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be out. I've shared it, the YouTube of it on thebluetestament.com. And there's a really good quote in there that he got from Daniel about Daniel deciding to come back to Kansas City. I want to read the whole quote, and then I want to kind of get Sheena's thoughts on the last little bit of it. So it was a very tough decision, not... At the end, when things got cleared out a little bit, then it got easy. This is Shally talking about rejoining sporting. Quote, heading into the season, having options from lots of teams in the league and lots of teams in Europe, I didn't know what I wanted to do. This is before the 2022 season. I was confused because I love playing in America. I love MLS and I love sporting Kansas City. 
but I was thinking about maybe a new challenge, maybe go here or there. Nothing was strong enough for me to actually leave this place. I feel like I have a special connection with Sporting Kansas City, and I have more to do in this place. Then he continued, uh, this club has has it in its DNA to win trophies, and I want to be a part of it. The opportunities that I got made me think, especially from Europe, does it really make a step forward? I know the soccer stereotype is you have to say America is bad and Europe is amazing and it will never change. People do not want to accept MLS as it is. I think it's gotten to a point where a player like me, who has an option to go to Europe and play in the top five leagues, not in the championship teams, but in a mid-table team, this is the part I want to emphasize for y'all. I'd rather choose to play in MLS. That was probably too long of a quote for me to have read in its entirety. Sheena's nodding in agreement. <laughs> but I like that last little bit. I mean, I like a lot of it, right? The, the DNA trophies, right? And that he's choosing to stay here, but he'd rather choose to play in MLS. I know, Sheena, you do not watch a lot of soccer around the world. Honestly, I don't watch a ton either. I watch a lot of highlights and things like that, wrap-up show type things, but not uh, into 90 minutes of European soccer. What do you think about a player who's kind of like, this is his last chance probably to go of Europe if he wanted to. And he said, no, I'd rather stay in Kansas City. And he played, he signed a four more year deal here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. First off, before I get into my thoughts, Daniel Shalloway has been traveling all over the world. I've been following him closely on Instagram and jealous of all his travels. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's cool that he wants to stay and play in the MLS. I think the other part of that is if he were to go to Europe or play in the top five leagues, is he high enough caliber to start? Or is he going to be on the bench? And if he's going to be on the bench, is it worth it to be on a top five team sitting on the bench or getting to play and start every game in the MLS? So what do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's a really good point because on this team, I mean, Sporting already spent significant money to bring in Marino's Janis to compete with him at that position. And he's already got competition there. There's no guarantee he starts all year. You obviously could pick up injuries. You could go into a poor run of form. But I think depending on which team you go to, how far down in the middle of the table is he talking? Yeah. Because some of them, sure, I think he could be a starter. Uh, but there's just so many games over there. You're likely to have to rotate at times. And then you're possibly going to lose your starting job because it's hard to be good in those uh, top heavy leagues where you're getting run over by the best teams in the league. So I think that probably weighed in as well. He's getting himself a raise. He's getting a targeted allocation money contract, which means he's making basically somewhere between about 650,000 and 1,650,000. So a pretty big range, but uh, that that's going to represent a raise for him versus the contract that he had been playing on the contracts i should say he's had a couple already this morning this is his third contract already uh, it's oh, wow. kind of wild how long shallow he's been with the team yeah um so okay sounds like you're you're on board with me that it's it's interesting and it's uh something worth mentioning you mentioned shallowy's travels and uh i've been trying to be better about being on social media for the soccer stuff i personally do kind of a poor job of it i would say uh, but uh, Sheena was like, oh, he's traveling with all these guys and she's listing off players. And she's like, and there was just some other guy there that I didn't know who <laughs> it, it was. Courtney Ford? Is it, no, so it wasn't, <laughs> okay. it wasn't Courtney Ford. It wasn't, that would have been funny though. That would have been funny. Um, no, I looked it up because I went and found the picture and it's Gerso Fernandez. Do you remember Gerso? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, he, I don't know where he went, but he's not, he was on the team, I think two seasons ago. I don't even think I noticed him in the picture. Yeah. He's, he's like right in the middle. He's standing between Johnny Russell and Daniel Shanley. Um, I don't know how closely I looked at it. I was more looking at the scenery and then I saw Daniel Shallowy and Johnny Russell and what, I forget who else I even saw. Oh, Kyrie was there. I think I those were the three I noticed. Yeah, Fontas and uh, Uli Rosell was there, were there as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, Gerso. Don't want to start any rumors. I don't believe Gerso's coming back. I think his wife might be from Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. Is. And I think you know those guys just have a connection. But Gerso, I believe, playing over in Korea or uh, somewhere over in the Asian countries. I forget off the top of my head, but. On that note, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with one last piece of sporting news and then a lot of news about the rest of the teams in Kansas City. We're back just like I said we'd be back. All right, final segment for the Glory KC. Sporting Kansas City rumor, I'm going to say. Not really news, future upcoming news. We're recording this on a Tuesday and we are finding out that the home openers, likely of all the teams, are going to be announced later this week. Maybe you already know about them and we don't know about them right now. Uh, our new frenemies, I don't know, cross-state rivals, St. Louis City SC via the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Man, that newspaper is hard to say. Uh, <laughs> they announced that we are, they're going to get their uh, first game. The opener will be announced later this week with the full schedule coming by the end of the week or next week. So basically they got to get this stuff out because the holidays are right around the corner. Everything needs to be announced. They're probably working away feverishly, getting stadiums scheduled, getting all these matchups sorted out. So we're about to find out the schedule, we're about to book some airline tickets, right? To hit, hit a road run. Sheena, how are you feeling about it? Are you as excited as I am? I feel like schedule release is like your favorite time of year. Oh my gosh, that's really funny because it is one of my favorite aspects of December. I love when the schedules come out. I love analyzing the schedule, but not in the same way like hardcore fans look at it um, while they're looking at like the competition and seeing um, like the long stretch of games and who we're playing and all that. I'm looking at what kind of vacations I can take and uh, what I can get chat on board for because my logic with going on vacations is picking a stadium that we haven't been to that sporting is playing with uh playing at and so schedule time is my favorite time all right well i think that's <laughs> sorry all we... i felt like i wanted to say more but then i didn't <laughs> yeah you just paused awkwardly so all right <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll cut we'll edit well... that out in post um <laughs> so let's move on from the schedule that we don't have but hey mm. the schedule's coming everybody it's right around the corner uh and let's talk about sporting kansas city too i want to make sure this is a place where we're covering the twos my voice went up like two octaves when i said two um <laughs> sporting kc2 made a signing uh just today on tuesday signing midfielder Ethan Bryant. He's 21 years old. Uh, he actually signed as a professional when he was just 16 with San Antonio FC in the USL Championship. Uh, he spent a little bit of time in Belgium, but he's coming to Sporting KC2 via the Richmond Kickers, who are in the USL League One. It's the third division in the pyramid of American soccer. It's on the same level as MLS Next Pro, so it's kind of like a lateral move, but it's uh, I think it's promising because because 
He was the 2022 Young Player of the Year. Uh, when he comes over to Sporting Kansas City 2, he's going to find out that everybody's young because it's a league full of mostly young players. But he really had a breakout last year. He played in 28 of 31 games across all competitions. Uh, he scored three goals and five assists. Those all came during the, the regular season league play where he got 25 starts, 27 appearances, and 1,944 minutes. The reason I want to mention it is, for one, I just want to highlight these Sporting KC2 players and give them some credit and attention. Um, I'm hoping that the twos become a real pipeline for players coming up to the first team, and the likelihood is they're going to have to be younger guys making that transition and making that next step. But another thing that kind of jumped out at me about this move was Sporting Kansas City paid a transfer fee. You just don't see a lot of interleague, across-league American transfers. There's been a few where USL players have ended up in MLS, but for the most part, it doesn't happen. So seeing a player move, and it's an undisclosed fee, so we don't know how much money it is, but from a kind of a feeder league to, well, kind of another feeder league, but that's directly connected up to Sporting Kansas City, I think that's kind of exciting. I did confirm with the team, this is not the first time that Sporting KC2 have paid a transfer fee. So didn't get the details on who they paid for, but I'm going to guess one of one of these, like they had a whole bunch of players from Africa. Uh, we were calling them Sporting Africa for a while because they were just like loading up on these like young prospects. And I think that's kind of interesting that they're starting to pay. There's no real salary rules in this lower league. I know Sheena has zero thoughts on SKC2. My promise to you all is we're going to get her to listen and watch more games next year. What? Oh, now Sheena has thoughts. Sheena. Well, I just have one thought. I feel like in the last few years, we haven't heard or seen, maybe I'm totally off on this, but I feel like I haven't heard or seen as much. Like I remember for a while there, we were bringing people up. Well, when they were the, the Swope Rangers. Park Rangers. Yeah, Swope Park Rangers. Um, when they were the Swope Park Rangers, it felt like we were constantly moving players back and forth between sporting and Swope Park. And I don't feel like we see that as much anymore. Yeah, I think there's two two aspects to that. I think COVID really messed with a lot of stuff. You had to keep your teams isolated. So there was like no loans really happening during that 2020 season. I'm actually I'm not even sure. Um, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember if there, how many games were even played that year in the second division. But then after that, COVID was still affecting things to a certain extent. And then I do think there's just like um, maybe some guys that I would like to see getting more time with the twos that haven't been doing that. They've been kind of riding the bench because of all the injuries that happened in 2022. So hopefully we're in a a bit of a post-COVID soccer world, at least. These are young athletes. They're in great shape. They shouldn't be at much risk. And hopefully that all these restrictions will pretty much be off. I mean, we were in the locker rooms, not wearing masks and stuff as media members by the end of the year. So I think that's promising for where things are going. So let's switch gears. There has been a story that has been taking the soccer world by storm. We have to get our words in on it. It's about the U.S. men's national team and Gio Reyna. High-level version of this story, Gio Reyna, uh, well, he claims he was told by Greg Berhalter, oh my goodness, the coach <laughs> of the men's national team, words are hard, y'all, words are hard, yeah. that he was going to have a very small role in the team. And then after he got told that, he basically started loafing and not practicing hard. He They played a friendly against Algarafa. It's a team over in the Qatari League, and he was just kind of walking around out on the field and not practicing hard and 
What came out later was that there was a vote, 13 to 12, to keep Gio, not send him home. Now, it was initially reported as a player vote, like the players had voted, which would make sense because there's 26 players on the roster. So 13 plus 12 is 25. Gio shouldn't get to vote on if he gets to stay. But turns out that was not true. And it was like coaching staff that had voted to keep him. And this all kind of got leaked out because... Burhalter gave a re- an interview that was supposed to be off the record where he doesn't even say Reyna's name, but then it gets leaked. Uh, so Gio apologized to his teammates. He went like player by player, talked to people, and he stayed with the team, obviously. He participated. He got into some matches later on in the World Cup. Didn't play a ton of minutes, like something like 52 minutes, something like that off the top of my head. But um, Sheena... What are your thoughts about Gio and this whole, all these shenanigans? Yeah, well, you know, Chad, I love drama, and but this it kind of feels very awkward in my opinion. I think it does clarify why Gio hardly played in the World Cup. Uh, I think addressing that information with the press, while like if Berhalter had addressed it sooner, giving a better explanation of why he wasn't playing as much, I think that would have cut down on some of the frustrations the fans felt on why he wasn't playing because it felt like every game people were upset that he wasn't being put in. Um, Can I jump in real quick? Sure. Um, Counterpoint, would it just be throwing Gio under the bus if he comes out and says it like while the World Cup's going on and then there's all this drama around it? No, I mean, I think there's an articulate way of saying it and you don't come out and say exactly what ended up getting leaked, but you could give other reasons. Like, I don't know. I'm not a coach. I don't make the, I don't know what, I just think there, you could have addressed it instead of just letting people be like, why isn't he playing? I, I don't know. Okay. So it's interesting because I feel like if if he comes out and says it during the World Cup, it's a huge distraction. It's all everybody's asking about at every press conference. Gio's getting hounded. The other players are getting hounded about Gio. Gio becomes a distraction versus keeping it in-house, quote unquote, at least during the tournament, okay. allowed them to kind of sweep it under the rug. He apologized. He did the right things. It sounds like Gio's maybe a little upset that it came out later. And I, I understand that. I, I get why if you're telling me you're keeping it in-house and then you're telling people even off the yeah. record, that's maybe not great. That said... I kind of don't hate it because maybe if this is just like me when there's like drama at my job and I'm like, oh, but you don't know the half of it. These idiots that I'm working with aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing or, you know, whatever yeah. the case may be. Uh, hopefully none of, nobody's listening, uh, but <laughs> not not the people that I work with every day. No, <laughs> no, just the jobs in general. Right. You work yeah. with people that don't, don't always do their jobs. And it's almost like Greg's way to defend himself. Right. Because. That's what the only complaint I had about the entire tournament was really Geo's handling in the first game against Wales. They needed a goal. Geo's this amazing creator, and he's maybe the best player on the team. He's definitely got maybe the best potential of anybody on the team. But then they put in Jordan Morris, and I was like, he's fine. He hustles. He puts in his effort. But in the other games... They played him when I thought it made sense, right? When you're ahead, you don't put him in the game because he doesn't play defense. Or like against England, you're trying to hold on to that draw and earn that point. And then against Iran, you're ahead. So I was totally okay with the way they used him. And then when it was time to use him, when it was an appropriate situation, he got in the game. The only time was just that very, very end, just a couple of minutes against Wales. And this kind of gives Greg some cover. That said, if you don't like Greg and you think he should be fired or not rehired because his contract is up, this is just another thing that you're going to point to and whatever. I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I think he did a pretty good job. I think they 
met expectations in this tournament. And I, if they rehired him, I wouldn't think it's the end of the world, but it's pretty untypical in national team soccer to bring a coach back from multiple cycles. I think I'm fine either way, but I do think that Giovanni came out. I don't know if you saw his statement that he made. I saw it on Instagram, but basically yeah, that's where I saw it too. Yeah. And he made that statement about how Burhalter told the team issues need to stay in house. Then Burhalter proceeded to share the drama with the media, even if it was supposed to be off the record. Like you're telling your team to do one thing and then you're doing the exact same thing you're telling them not to do. And I don't, I don't like that. That feels a little, even if it was off the record, like I still don't agree with that. Um, But the other thing, as I was reading the story and as things have been coming out, like the whole thing I have been thinking about is like, I'm curious how this count went. Like, was everyone, I guess it turns out it's like the stat, the coaching staff, were they in a room and they raised their hands on who wants them in and who wants them out? Secret ballot sort of thing. Like Like an arrested development. Like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And every, and Geo writes his own name somehow (laughs) in the process. Yeah. He still gets eliminated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I was just, I would have loved to have been there to see how that voting process was done because I'm, more curious about that more than anything um you love the drama it's like the the real u.s soccer players of qatar i don't know like to get your housewives in there a little bit yeah (laughs) just certain cities that i watch but it'll be interesting and i hope you know giovanni can grow between now and 2026 so this isn't an issue in the future and hopefully he can take this as a learning opportunity Well, I think that is a perfect transition, Sheena, because we are going to debut a new segment created by another member of the Blue Testament, David Greenwald. Thanks, David. We're calling this next thing the digital crawl. This is in honor of Digital Takawara. I had to explain this to Sheena. I still think she needs to Google and watch his celebration, but he would do a crawl and his name was digital. So, hey, we're going to do a digital crawl in terms of news. Um, So, The way I want to transition, though, is let's keep talking USMNT for just a second. You said, I hope that GEO grows between now and 2026. I concur. And a big part of that growth may be in a tournament called the Copa America. So this is a tournament held in Cannonball. It's the South American League. Uh, You know, the United States and Canada, Mexico and other Caribbean nations are in CONCACAF. And you saw CONCACAF, oof, they struggled at the World Cup. Only the U.S. made it out of the group stage. Costa Rica, Mexico, and Canada all eliminated in the the opening matches of the tournament. So between now and 2026, the U.S. doesn't have to go through qualifying. They're a host nation. Then Mexico and Canada are automatically in. So the Copa America is going to be a chance to play Argentina, who just made it to the World Cup finals. Brazil, who just got eliminated from the tournament. uh, And all these other big south american countries to really test themselves i can remember sheena do you remember this we went and saw uh the actual the last time the u.s was invited to the copa america in phoenix they played colombia lost one nothing i think it was maybe the third place game if i'm remembering right off the top of my head and we were there we were live we saw that together do you remember yeah i mean we've seen a few games together so a few (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean a lot of games so, yeah, I mean, I do remember seeing some in Phoenix. I don't remember the specifics of the day, the game like you probably do, but I do remember going. 
Yeah, so it'll be a chance for the U.S. to be involved in the Copa America again. I think it'll be good because between now and then, there's a couple rounds of Olympics, but that's U23 type players. No, not that most of these players wouldn't qualify for that. Maybe they should put their best players into the Olympics and let them get the stress of playing in knockout games and whatnot. But I doubt they do. Typically, you bring like your second tiered team because usually your young guys aren't all your starters like they are for the U.S. men. Um, so any other thoughts from you about the potential Copa America? It's just a rumor we don't know right now, but Max Bretos, uh, you'll know him as an announcer for LAFC. He says he's hearing uh, that it's confirmed from some folks in South America. Yeah, I hope it does happen. And if so, I hope it comes to Kansas City. I hope so too. Yeah, it'd be great if it's hosted in, in the US, but there's something to be said about going to a foreign country and playing and overcoming that pressure. That said, the World Cup will be in the United States as well. So, all right. Digital crawl, we're moving quicker from subject to subject. The second subject I want to talk about is the linear TV deal. So the, we have a really good piece over on the bluetestament.com about the whole Apple TV deal and what the cost is uh, by last week's guest host, Eric Ritter, uh, farmhand, aka farmhand. But this farmland. is oh boy, you can't yeah. Hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if your hearing is going, you know, us in our upper 30s here. Uh so the linear TV deal. Not going to affect the Apple TV deal at all. If you buy the Apple TV MLS package or if you're a season ticket member and you get, get it as a part of your season tickets, you're going to have access to every single game. But there are going to be some games that are broadcast on national TV. In the past, they would be on Fox, ESPN, or their family of channels, and then Univision. However, for 2023, for the next four years, actually, uh, ESPN and Univision are out. They get nothing. All the content is going to be on Fox, FS1 like Fox Sports, they maybe do Fox Sports too, you never know, Fox Deportes as well. So they get the English and the Spanish language broadcasts. Uh, they're going to get an average of 34 regular season games each year, as well as eight playoff games. The reason I tell you about all this exciting news, Sheena, is do you know, and I think you do because I think I spoiled this already, who is on Fox? Who calls games for Fox? Well, my favorite sports announcer, Stu Holden, does. I know that. Yeah, Outside my favorite. Of that, I don't know. Well, his partner, who's calling games in the World Cup with him right now, John Strong, one of my favorites. Uh, so, okay. good news for you. You get to hear the dulcet sounds of Stu Holden calling matches for at oh. least the next four years. Okay. Unless he quits, quits or switches jobs, you never know. He might move to another network. That stuff happens. Could he move to Apple? He could move to Apple. Yeah, they yeah. haven't hired anything yet. So maybe it'll play out that way. So that's what's going on with that. There's going to be games on national TV as well as through Apple TV. And remember, even though it's behind a paywall, six games every week will be free to view. So you're not completely locked out unless you really want to watch all the sporting games, the city games, then you're probably going to have to pay. Uh, so we'll be paying in this household. Next up, the Kansas City Current. Um, always a good subject for an audio medium. They released <laughs> new stadium renderings of their stadium. So I encourage you to go over to thebluetestament.com, check out those high-res photos of the stadium. Sheena, did you get a chance to check them out? Yeah, of course. I'm really excited. The renderings look good. I like um, that they're going to have in the seats, it's going to say current. I like the views of the bridge and the river. I'm really excited about it. And Lots Chad, did we ever decide if we're getting tickets for the 2024 season? 
I don't think we've hammered that out, but uh, I tell you, if you ask the team, they would tell you a really good way to hold your 2024 tickets is to buy a 2023 <laughs> ticket. So I'm sure they would. <laughs> that's a whole nother discussion to have. So that's an off air though. You all don't want to hear about the finances of the Smith household here. Let's um, keep moving. Oh, oh wait, one oh, more no, let's thing. not move. Yeah. I also like that they came out with a timeline of when we can expect progress to be made. So um, I'm excited about that. I'm interested to see if they can stay on track with their timeline, given that some of it is supposed to happen in the winter and in spring. And I'm wondering how weather might impact that. Um, I'm also like a nerd and I'm excited to see what kind of concession stands come. I hope that they bring local restaurants into the stadium. So those little details I'm excited about learning more. Excited, excited, excited. I think was yes. the words that she used to be excited. <laughs> I, I, they did announce like a, a catering partner. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's a local business. So you should check them out as well. Get some okay. more information about all that. Staying on the subject of women's soccer, let's move to the U.S. women's national team. Uh, they announced just in the last few days the She Believes Cup. It's the annual kind of um, friendly tournament. Like it's a tournament, but it kind of doesn't matter, but it kind of does. Uh, it'll run this year from February 16th through February 22nd. So nice and compact. They're going to play really close together. The U.S. will be involved uh, as well as Canada, Brazil, and Japan. All those teams have already qualified for the 2023 Women's World Cup, so it'll be a chance for those teams to face off. Uh, outside of that, the U.S. only have uh, two other games announced, and they're both against New Zealand, one of the host nations of the World Cup, which is a whole other conversation she and I have to have about <laughs> going to the World Cup in New Zealand. Uh, the cost was incredibly high, and we might have to pick between that and season tickets because it is expensive. Sheena, she believes. Do you believe? I do believe, and I believe we've gone to one of these She Believes Cups a few times um, in the past. Right. Yeah, so it's always That's a good believe time. Believe it as many times as possible. Let's just keep saying believe, believe, believe. Okay, I I believe they're not coming to the United States. I don't believe there's the chance for them to come. I wish there was though. But oh, they're definitely coming to the United States. The whole tournament is in the United States, but it's not in Kansas City, which is probably what you. Were okay, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I meant. Is it's not coming to Kansas City, and really, if it's not coming to Kansas City, it shouldn't even be in the United States. I guess is <laughs> what I believe I'm the, trying to say. This is the only city that matters <laughs> yeah. in the U.S. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. So yeah, I think it'll be exciting. I think it'll be good practice for the team since it's probably been a minute since they've all played together. And then, yeah, should Chad and I try to attend the Women's World Cup in New Zealand? If you've been to New Zealand, let me know. I'm interested in feedback, tips, honest thoughts, if it's worth going to. I'm sure everyone would say I should go. Um, is anyone else going to the World Cup in New Zealand? I'm just curious, like, if we have listeners that are doing that. Well, you know, you are a member of the Blue Testament now. You actually have an account to comment. <laughs> I so do. leave it in, leave it in the comments, everybody. The bluetestament.com okay. on this on this podcast episode. All right, we're almost done. Digital crawl. Two more quick topics I want to hit. This next one is not the quickest, but I just want to lightly mention it without going into all the minutiae. The NWSL, the other day, when they announced the order of the draft list, which was a couple of weeks back, they announced this roster mechanism that I wanted to give a little bit more attention. It's called the Under-18 
entry list. And basically, in the past, you had to be 18 years old to sign in the NWSL. However, in the rest of the soccer world, or most of the rest of the soccer world, players sign at younger ages than that all the time. Think of Jean-Luc Buzio, who was 15 when he signed with Sporting KC. Uh, so they've now opened it up. Each team gets can have up to two of these players. They're required to fill like a senior roster spot. And really the kind of the impetus for all this was at the time, there was a 15 year old named Olivia Moultrie and she now plays for the Portland Thorns, but she had to basically sue the league and go through all this court process to get that opened up. But now there's a way for them to get there. The kind of cool thing I like about this is that um, players, if they sign a contract, they have to be kept on the team until they're 18. So if they basically give up their college eligibility to do this, they have to keep a pro contract until they turn 18. And the, the parent or legal guardian has to, they have to reside with them. So they can't just like send them off like Buzio. It's the craziest thing, right? How these players move from their home states and come live with host families and things. So that's not what the NWSL is not there yet. And it kind of makes sense. There's not as much money in the women's league quite yet. What do you think, Sheena? Yeah, well, I was going to just touch on what you were saying about Buzio. And didn't Daniel Shallowy also do that, like at a young age, come like across the world from yeah he's the <laughs> which is even crazier ever, yeah yeah homegrown international sighting because of course peter vermees found a way to to skirt the rules he's a former teammate of daniel shallowy's father so there's a little bit of connection there so that makes it homegrown no it makes it homegrown because he came and he played in the sporting kansas city academy and put uh. in the required amount of times and i think he was like a foreign exchange student uh actually on that podcast i referenced earlier which you can find the link to on our site um he talks about coming over here and that he was like looking for colleges he thought he was just going to go to college before he signed a pro contract with sporting which i thought was uh, pretty cool that is interesting to see how, how things changed and now look at his life right man he's just been yeah. a star traveling the All world right. Our last digital crawl topic, and this one is close to my heart because Sheena found it. I did not <laughs> find this. Actually, mentioning Shallowy, he's the one that brought it to our attention because he retweeted this. But the, there is a quote from Dana White. If you don't know Dana White, he is the president of the UFC. I watch a lot of UFC. I really like combat sports. Dana White can be a bit tough to deal with at times he's a bit brash but the man can run a press conference but i guess they were asking him about the world cup and he said quote can't stand soccer i think it's the least talented sport on earth there is a reason three-year-olds can play soccer okay you run around and kick a ball do you know how untalented you have to be to score three points when the net is this big <laughs> And I, I, this big, I assume he was like holding his arms out. Really I wide. Was, yeah, <laughs> imagining that too. So Sheena, what, what are your thoughts on Dana White's ignorant take on soccer? As a oh, you're not going to read what Daniel Shallowy said in response? Oh, you, you read Daniel's part. Okay. So he responded, if I could punch another kid when I was in kindergarten, that means I could be in the UFC today which I think is a really good way of like how ridiculous Dana White's analogy is. And clearly he's not played soccer professionally. Um, I haven't either, but Chad had a little bit of experience <laughs> when he did it for like a media game for the Casey Current. And maybe you could speak a little bit about how it you do need to have like be in physical condition and be yeah. in shape. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think to to Daniel's point, like, yeah, the media game, I was gassed immediately. I did not work <laughs> out properly. I was not in shape. I wasn't ready to go. Uh, maybe in 2023, I'll do better. But um, to Daniel's point, like, just because like a, a kindergartner could punch another kid, just like a three-year-old can, pl- can quote unquote play soccer, doesn't mean that they're going to go on to be some of the greatest professional players in the world. If he's talking about the World Cup, it's the best of the best for these countries it's obviously a ridiculous thing to say. Dana White consistently says ridiculous things. Uh, he should pay his fighters properly. There's lots of problems in the UFC. That said, I do really love it. And, and I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I watch it all the time. <laughs> and you'll keep watching it. And Well, and I feel like just thinking in our own soccer experience with our daughter playing, like, yeah, she kind of played. She started playing a little bit older at four, four and a half. And it was a hot mess. And as she's gotten older, like it's finally getting to the point where we can actually like tolerate the game and they're playing with some skill. So I don't just because kids can kick a ball into a net doesn't mean they're the best of the best. It's a it's a ridiculous thing. And I personally find Dana White really annoying and ignorant. Yeah, he can be. uh tough at times but credit to him for what they've built in the ufc it went from a failing organization that he and the fertitas really the fertita brothers bought it and and they've made it one of the biggest sporting entities in the world and it's only going to get bigger and bigger because everybody fights the whole world fights right like you're always going to find kids that want to fight so this isn't a ufc podcast though that's an ignorant statement from dana it's not the first time he said something ignorant won't be the last but we want to thank you all for making it to the end here with us, for joining us on For the Glory KC. Um, you Quick plugs here. If you enjoyed the podcast, only if you enjoyed it, we would like you to go write a review. Five-star reviews help. They help everybody else find the podcast. Just search for The Blue Testament on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to reference us. If we see you, you wrote a comment, we're going to try to read those on the air. I think that's going to be our, our thing going forward. Uh, but if you want to reach out to us and follow us on social media, you can find us at For the Glory KC on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and for the glory KC at gmail.com. Send us an email, uh, ask us questions. We'll answer them on the air uh, if they're appropriate. Um, so uh, for myself, Chad Smith, and for my wife, Sheena, thank you, Sheena, for joining. Thank you. I would like to say thank you all for listening and we'll play you out with Write It Like You Mean It, what a title, by Christian Leo. Take care, everybody. Bye.